0: The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. Well, I was thinking about how do we come out of uh, an impacting series where we've talked about God doing this massive work, uh, we're wanting Him to use us and to shape us uh, and to have a profound impact not only in our own lives, but then through our lives to the world around us. And then we come and we have this celebration last week, and, and I, I tell you last Sunday afternoon, uh, I was like a kid on Christmas Eve. Uh, I wanted, and I, in my mind, I had that Kathy Hyatt was going to be out of town last week, and so I felt like a kid on Christmas Eve who wasn't going to be able to open the presents for like a week. And everything was locked in the safe, and I don't have a code for the safe, and it's for integrity issues, and so I was going nuts. And so Monday morning I'm driving in and i like, this is nuts, this is crazy, I want to I want to see what God's done, I want to celebrate these things, and even one of the elders showed up and was sitting there, and, and then Kathy pulled up and she said, Bill, it's next week I'm out of town, not this week, I wouldn't let, I wouldn't do that to you on such a big Sunday, and she sat there and she was tallying some numbers and, and we were starting to, to get, it felt like I was, you know, a return was coming in, and so it was like, wow, this is awesome, this is fantastic. And there's such this high moment, this mountaintop experience, and you may be experiencing and feeling that sort of going, unbelievable what God is doing in the life of our church. Mountaintop experiences are great things, but be careful not to define your life by mountaintop experiences. And here we go. Um, I don't know what's on the screen behind me, so, uh, but don't define your life by mountaintop experiences because... There's always the next day. And what I found this week was that Satan has a particularly keen way of coming in right when you're feeling really great. Uh, When things are are going along and God is moving and you see God moving, it's amazing how the evil one will sneak into the individual life of the person or into the corporate life of the congregation. And begin to sow seeds of hopelessness, Or seeds of, oh, well, this was good, but. It's kind of what i described as that Eeyore theology. Remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore, that's a beautiful house that you have. It's made of all these wonderful sticks. Yeah, I'd probably fall over tomorrow. <laughs> and we kind of have that. Wow, isn't this awesome? God did all of these great things. Yeah, something bad going to happen this week. And Satan has a way of coming in. Well, I was taken to a passage of Scripture in 1 Kings. If you have your Bible, you can flip over to 1 Kings chapter 18. And what I'm going to do is just speak more generally about chapter 18. If you want to look at it, you can come along and, and make sure that what I'm saying is accurate. But what's happening in, in 1 Kings 18 is that there is a prophet in, the, in Israel. His name is Elijah. And Elijah had been the prophet there, and there were uh, a a really nasty uh, king uh, and his wife who were in that area, and Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and they were horrible people. They were ruthless and mean and ungodly, and God was disciplining Israel, and he had said there's not going to be rain for seven years, and in an agrarian culture, that drought of seven years was devastating. And so there was a mad search for Elijah, the prophet of God, so that he would come and, and come before the people of God and come before God and pray on their behalf, so the rain would come. And so in chapter eighteen, Elijah comes out of hiding, and he comes and he meets with Ahab, and he says to Ahab, he says, Ahab, you have been following other gods. Uh, you have been leading the people into pagan worship with uh, with Baal and Asherah. And you've been have all of these things, and you've killed the prophets of God, and you've destroyed the religion uh, of the Jews, and you have, uh, you have flaunted your ways in front of Yahweh, the covenant God uh, of Israel. And he said, I invite you now to come, and on Mount Carmel, we're gonna have a showdown. We're gonna have a showdown, and we're gonna ask the question, is God truly God, or is Baal, national, or those the gods that we should follow? And so they did. And it was just, you can't imagine the scene. It would have been unbelievable as they gathered together there on the top of Mount Carmel. And they set up an altar. And they put the burnt offering on the altar. And they did all of those things. And, and Elijah, in good southern manner, said, I'll let you go first. He was a gentleman. And he said, why don't you guys go first? And so all day, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, Uh, the prophets and prophetesses of Baal and of Asherah did their incantations and their dances. They said that they cut themselves and that they did and went through all of their pagan rituals and were dancing around and it would have been a scene out of a movie that you wouldn't let your children go to. It, It would have been a scene out of a movie that would have been so disturbing to you of the darkness of what we were calling upon and nothing happened. No fire from heaven. Nothing. And the people of Israel uh, were gathered around watching this spectacle that was taking place. And then it, Elijah decided to have a little fun And he was standing on the sidelines and he was looking and he goes, Hey guys, where's your gun? Is, is he asleep? Maybe you need to go wake him up. Maybe he's gone to the bathroom and you need to go uh, check and see if he's in the urinal. Uh, Maybe you need to go find your God because he's obviously not responding to all of this stuff. He was sort of uh, messing with them. He was showing them the silliness of their ways. And then he said, Okay, enough. Now let me have the stage. And it says that Elijah came. He said, I'm going to change the format a little bit. And so he put all of the stuff there on on the altar. And then he poured water upon the altar gallons and gallons of water on the altar, soaking the wood and soaking uh, the meat of the oxen and the flesh there to where it was filling and dripping out. And he was basically saying, I want you to recognize something. What is about to happen cannot be in any way, shape, or form misunderstood to be the work of any human being. If anything is going to happen, this has to come from God. And then he prayed to God very quietly, interestingly. All the others were all loud and and moving around and going nuts. And Elijah prayed to the Lord. And let's pick up there. And it said, and at that time of the offering, Elijah the prophet came near, verse 36. And he said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God. You are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. And then fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and lifted up the water that was in the trench. Gosh, can you just picture that for a moment? How amazing, and, and we're sitting here, and, and it's hard to get but. All of a sudden, fire descended from heaven. When's the last time you saw fire descended from heaven? I had. And it just it descended anywhere. It descended in a point, in a place, and it came down. And it was such consuming fire that it not only consumed the, the offering and the wood. What else did it consume? It said it consumed the rocks. It just melted them. It did something. It just melted them. And they went, and they were gone. You can imagine standing around and going, what just took place? And it says that then after that, and when all, verse 39, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there and destroyed them. was basically saying that God will have no rivals. And he will only will destroy his rivals. And for us, the people of God, it's coming and seeing God do this incredible thing and recognizing only God can do what is taking place. Only God is the one uh, who can work and act and move in my life in these ways. And in your life, you can look back, on imagine. And you can Put pen and paper. Or fingers to a keyboard. Or thoughts to a memory. And can go back and recollect in your life all of those moments when you have seen God move. Can you, anybody have those moments? That'd be fired from that. For me, it was driving down in my highway, listening to bad jazz music. God coming in and saying, "Bill, it's your time to turn your heart to me," and I'm going to turn. <laughs> that it's seeing God move in the little things and in the large things, but God moving and acting throughout the course of your life. When you look around and you're stepping back as a spectator, and you look and you can say, "Only God could have done this." For some of you, maybe it's your own story. Maybe it's your spouse coming and giving their life to the Lord as you faithfully loved them and lived out the gospel in front of them for all of those years. Maybe it's seeing your child come to the Lord. Maybe it's God doing something miraculous in your life. Maybe it's the little things of God moving day by day in your day-to-day life. But we look at it and we say, this has to be God. And we have to, at that moment, ask this question. What do we do? Well, what happened in chapter 18 is Elijah said to the people, you need to choose today who you're going to follow. Are you going to follow what the world presents to you and and all of the silliness and all of the things that are out there and all of that stuff that's going to promise and give you life and promise fire from heaven and and promise healing and and promise life and promise satisfaction, but at the end of the day, it's nothing more than a lot of noise and a lot of dancing and a lot of shouting, but there's no guts to it. There's no heart and meat to it. Are you going to go after all of that stuff because it looks and sounds really great? Or are you going to follow the God who can send fire from heaven? Are you going to follow and give your life to the God who can change dead hearts and make them new and alive? Are you able to, to, or are you willing to follow this God? And so you can go, man, I got it. I got it. And you're on that spiritual high. Anybody been on that spiritual high? I don't like Jesus bumps. You get sort of the Jesus bumps. They feel like goosebumps, but you go, oh no, this is the Holy Spirit moving. You go, this is awesome. This is fantastic. And you feel great. And then you move out uh, and you see God doing great things like they did there. They pursued the pagan uh, leadership. They pursued the, the... Now, before you feel bad for uh, those leaders of Baal and Asher, I'd encourage you to do a study of what they were doing to the people of Israel. The sacrificing of children. And the sexual rituals that they were doing. The devastating things that were taking place in the lives of these people. And they received that. And so now you think at the end of chapter 18, we're doing great. We're feeling good. Maybe today we're saying in our church, I'm feeling good. Things are cooking with gas. We are moving in the right direction. We are cruising. We can just kick it into cruise control. I can move in my life. Everything's great. Nothing is going to shake me. Everything's going to be wonderful. And you're thinking, this is awesome. This is great. Well, then you turn the page and you go to chapter 19. Well, Ahab, the king, was still king, and his wife, Jezebel, was still queen. And Ahab went back to Jezebel. You can imagine, it says there in the beginning of verse, in chapter 19, then Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets of the sword. With the sword. So he came back to, said, oh, you won't believe what happened yesterday. <laughs> hey, or the day You just won't believe. You should have seen this. You should have seen what happened. Now you would think if you'd seen it, what would you believe if you'd seen all of these things happen? I would probably go, I'm not messing with Yahweh, I don't understand it all, I don't fully really get all the particulars of it, but I know this much, he got fired down from heaven and then rain came, Was the next part of that, then a cloud of rain came and all of a sudden the drought was ended for Israel. God moved powerfully in the lives of the people and he did incredible things. Well, Ahab comes back and tells Jezebel this. And look at what Jezebel's response is. She sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me. Now, these are the gods who just failed to show up, by the way. The gods who were shown to be impotent. The gods who were shown to be powerless. May the gods do to me and more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. What did she do? She threatened. the threatened. This woman, seeing in a throne, whose gods just totally failed her, whose husband just totally failed her, who was shown to be a fraud, still had enough venom in her and enough anger in her to say and send the messenger. And think about what Elijah must have been feeling at that moment. What would you have been feeling if you were Elijah that next day, a few days later, a week later? Would you be feeling pretty good? Anybody? Yeah. I've been thinking, this is awesome. I thought i be telling a few people. Hey, can I tell you what happened the other day? I'm not normal. It was awesome. I've been telling people that this week. Hey, can I tell you what's going on in the life of our church? This is fantastic. I'm calling friends of mine who are pastors who are discouraged. And I'm saying, don't be discouraged. God is doing great things in his church. He's doing great things in ours. And he can do great things in yours. Trust him and believe and pray. And let me come and, be, and encourage you in that. And I'm doing all of that. And then all of a sudden, uh, there was, in their day and age, an email from Jezebel that said this, Hey, Elijah, I could care less what's happened on Mount Carmel. I'm going to kill you. I could care less what happened on Mount Carmel. But let me tell you this, nothing has changed in the world today as far as I'm concerned. Can you imagine how Elijah must have felt? Didn't I just see fire come down from heaven? Wasn't this going to be the turning point in the life of Israel? Wasn't Weren't you going to now come back and reestablish your throne here? Wasn't this going to be awesome and powerful? Jezebel said, not as long as I throne. Now, I don't want you to read into anything. I haven't been attacked this week. So I'm still preaching of it. I'm your pastor. I want to warn you. I want you to, to guard your own hearts. When there are exciting and high moments in time, it is inevitable that the evil one is going to come in and he is going to speak the words like Jezebel. He is going to say to you, hey, things may be going great right now. Your husband may be doing this. Your wife may be doing this. Your kids may be doing this. But nothing's changed. I'm still going to get you at the end of the day. It says that the evil one is like a lion prowling around and roaring, speaking like Jezebel around you trying to speak into your life deceit and words that are going to bring you down. And you would think that Elijah, the man of God, the prophet of God, the strong man that he was, would have said, oh, Jezebel, go on. You know what I love about the scripture? It's filled with regular, everyday servants like you and me, who are human and have frailties. And in verse 3, then he was afraid. And he arose, and he ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked the Lord, he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down, and he slept under the broom tree. Chapter 19 comes so suddenly sometimes in our lives that it leads us to incredible discouragement and disappointment. To the point for Elijah, where he said, I just want to go and die. God, I mean, can you do you do you get inside the heart of that man? And, and to feel the pain inside his heart. And for some of you, you know exactly that pain. God, I've served you faithfully. God, I've seen you do incredible things. God, I've sacrificed my life for you. God, I've stood boldly and proclaimed your name. God, I've stood in my high school. I've stood in my family. I've stood in my workplace. I've done all of these things, and nothing has changed. Mount Carmel seems like a distant and faint memory. The fire seems like nothing more than a vapor. And the bolt maybe of lightning in an evening sky on the horizon. And he said, I just, I just want to die. I just want to die. So what do you do at that moment? Have you ever been at that moment? Maybe you are at that moment now with something happening in your life. And for Elijah, it said that he went out into the desert and he just wanted to die. But look how God deals with disappointed servants. And he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of the Lord of that day, of, went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of Calvary. See what just happened? He just crawls up to die. And while he's sleeping, an angel of the lord comes and touches him, says elijah now what would you think the angel of the lord would say to you? elijah what is wrong with you you were just a carnal for goodness sake didn't you see what happened god came down from heaven and now you're over here whipping and doing and sniveling and all of this what where's your faith elijah get up and get back to work isn't that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he came and he woke him up. And he said, Elijah, here's some food, miraculously there. And here's a pot of water. Drink and eat. And he drank and ate. And guess what he did then? He hopped up and was like, I'm on fire for the Lord. I'm ready to go. He put his head back down and he slept some. And then it says, interestingly, the language there is, "The angel of the Lord came and spoke to him." The most scholars, and I wonder if able to post scholars, most scholars, pastors believe that that's the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ, that the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ Himself, showed up there because you realize that Jesus Christ has been and has always been. He didn't just show up uh, when He was born in a manger, but He came, and it says that the angel of the Lord came. He said, now Elijah, eat and drink, for the journey is long. I love this story. How are we doing on time? Okay, we're doing great. Maybe not for you, but for me, we're doing great. Uh, And he said, Elijah, the journey is long. And again, put yourself in Elijah's shoes. If I was Elijah, I would have looked at him and gone, what journey? I came out here to die. And I said, no, 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 I drew you out here. Even in your despondency, even in your disappointment, and even in your confusion about the events of the day, and you're feeling discouraged, and you've forgotten that I'm the one who brings fire down from heaven, I drew you out into a lonely place, and now I'm going to sustain you for 40 days and 40 nights with this food, and I'm going to take you to Mount Horeb. Ah, Mount Horeb should ring a bell also called Mount Sinai, the place where Moses had ascended and had met God, face, well, he had met God there, and God had passed by him, and he said, God, I want to see your face, and God said, you can't see my face, Moses, no man can, and live. He said, but I'll put you in the cleft of this rock, in this cave, and I'm going to place my hand over it, and I'm going to walk by, and then I'm going to remove my hand, and you're going to be able to see the trains of my robe as I go. And he said, "Elijah, I'm taking you to the mountain there." And he began, and it actually says in verse nine, it's mis- uh, written in the ESV and in many other translations. In verse nine, it says that here, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. The Hebrew actually says there he came to the cave. Well, don't you think in the Lord uh, and in the stories and all the history of Israel, they would have known on Sinai what was the cave that was, was assigned to the one that that was the place where Moses stood. That was the place where Moses was, And he said that he went to the cave. That God drew Elijah to a place where he would be able to meet him intimately. A place of sanctuary, a place of security. He drew this despondent and discouraged and upset servant who was tired of wrestling with whatever it was that you're wrestling with. I'm tired of wrestling with the burden that you've given me. I'm tired of the loss in my life. I'm tired uh, of it all. And I just wanna die and go to heaven. Isn't that okay? God says, come, and let me reintroduce myself to you. And it says that Elijah went, and he was in that cave, and the Lord comes to him, and he says, and he speaks to the Lord very openly. And the Lord asks him, Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> what a great question. I don't know God you I mean, there are no roadmaps. It's not like you're walking down and going, Horeb 24 kilometers. And he's heading down the He was heading to Horeb. He was going there and says, What are you doing here? And he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel. Verse 10, and I've forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets of sword. I've done all of this. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And so he invited him out. It says that he came by and there was power and there was earthquake and there was Wind and there was renting of the stones. It was an incredible event that was taking place. And it said constantly in the midst of that. And all of this, and after the wind, and it passed by, and there was a great strong wind, and it tore the mountains, and it broke into pieces and the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a slow sound like a low whisper. God is trying to save the life and he's trying to save with us today. Celebrate his good news today. Celebrate the fact uh, that he's done great things today, that he's providing for our church. Celebrate the huge mountaintop experiences. Celebrate all of those things, but do not make them normative in your life. Do not demand that God shows up with $2.2 million next Sunday. Do not demand that God heals your body of cancer. Do not demand that God does this. Do not demand that God the big and huge Mountaintop experiences and all the feelings associated with them. God says, hey, I'm not necessarily in all of those big things. But he came with, in some translations, a still quiet voice. And he came to Elijah and he ministered to him. And he spoke words to him. And it said, And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And Behold, there came a voice to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He asked him twice. Why did he come and ask him twice? You ever thought about that? Maybe God was inviting him to be honest for the first time. You know that you can be honest with your God. You know that you can say to your God just what he said. I've been so very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altar. They've done all of this. And the Lord said to him. Go on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there. You shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And then he moves on. And he does this. What in the world. What God was coming to him and saying was this. Hey. If you're struggling. If you are coming off of 1 Kings 18 mountaintop experience and all of a sudden you're finding yourself in despondency and discouragement in like chapter 19, don't look for the next mountaintop. Don't look for the next mountaintop. Look for the voice of the Lord. Which basically what he did and said to Elijah here is this Elijah, I've got it. Go and anoint this king. I have a remnant. I am going to win the day. I am going to, I am going to win. I have kept my people. I'm keeping my promises. I've got it. You don't have to worry about it. And this chapter ends with this beautiful transition of Elijah to Elisha. One prophet to another. Of God saying, Elijah, I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about me, Elijah. I'm going. And I've got a plan that's different from your plan." Now, in your life, I don't know what you're wrestling with, but what God is saying to you is that you need to go to another mountain. You need to allow God to lead you not to Sinai and Horeb or Carmel, but to Calvary. You need to come to the Lord, and with deep and profound honesty before the Lord, lay out your petitions before him, your struggles before him, your questions before him. As I've told you before, the day that my father died, I got the best advice I've ever gotten in my life. When a man asked me, what do you want to do right now? And I'm thinking, I, I look at this, I just want to scream in heaven. But I knew that I was a religious and a and I couldn't do that. I was a preacher's kid, and I knew that was holy totally honest. all this. He said, go you know, ahead, okay, God's a big one, he can take it. God is God and he can take on your petitions and your disappointments and your doubts. And he can come right there next to you and say, you know what? Look at another mountain. Look at a mountain where my son died for you. To redeem every event that's taken place in your life. To capture every tear that you've ever to experience a joy that is more profound than any joy that you could ever experience on seeing fire come down from heaven, on any and more profound happiness and contentment and shalom and peace will be found on this mountain. And so, this morning, I'm inviting you as individuals, and I'm inviting you as a church, come to a different mountain, come to Mount Calvary, and lay it down there all of your joys and all of your sorrows, all of your struggles, all of your things, and bring them to the one who says, by this bread and this wine, by this body and this blood, by this life of my son, I can redeem it, and I will strengthen you for the journey in your life. It's a good mountain to come to If you've never been there, I invite you today. Would you be willing to give up all those other gods, Would you be willing to give up all those other gods who are promising you something else, who are promising you life, but all they're giving you is death and dissatisfaction and emptiness? Are you willing to pursue them to the death and to kill them and slay them, to destroy and take down all of your other idols and come and worship the one true God today? For he's inviting you to this day. Come, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come, for he has vanquished your. And he comes to disappointed and discouraged saints and servants and leads them to <laughs> the Lord's